Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Imagine going to your favorite restaurant or a restaurant in town here and imagining having a great waiter or waitress and then imagining having a not-so-great waiter or waitress. Let's just all suppose we go out to eat at Outback and let's go down there and let's say I ask the waitress or the waiter, I would like a nice uh, large portion of salmon with a dry sweet potato and some broccoli on the side. And imagine the waitress or waiter comes out and brings me catfish with a baked sweet potato loaded with bacon and french fries. Do you think I would be a happy camper? Imagine, would you be a happy camper if somebody came and you ordered and the waitress or waiter brought you something you didn't want? Would you say that waitress or waiter would get a good tip or a bad tip? Well, most likely a bad one. But if a good waitress or a good waiter comes and brings you everything that you desire, keeps your glass full and never empty, you're more than likely going to give them a nice, fat, juicy tip. Well, with all that in mind, I want to draw your attention to verse number six, the word minister. Would you say minister with me on three? One, two, three. Minister. One more time, please. Minister. This word minister, yes, in the context that Paul's writing to young Timothy, it does involve an ordained minister, somebody like myself. But in the context of my sermon that I want to relate to you today, it involves being a servant of God. In fact, the word minister, all it means is to serve. So today I want to label my thoughts with this phrase, how to be a good servant of God, part one. I'll give you the second part next week, but today I want to draw your attention to verses 6 through 11 to share with you three ways that we can be not just a servant of God, but a good servant of God. Notice what the Bible says. It says in verse number 6, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. My question for you today is, are you being a servant of God in your walk with Jesus Christ? And then let's take it a step further. Are you being a good servant of God? Today I want to share with you two key statements. So if you walk away with anything, I want you to walk, with a, with, walk away with these two statements. The first one is this. Being God's servant is not about capability. It's about availability. Being God's servant is not about capability. It's about availability. It doesn't matter how capable you might ever be and the talents that God may bless you with or maybe He may not bless you with certain ones. If you make yourself available, God will make you usable. So that's the second statement I want to share with you. If you make yourself available, God will make you usable. Listen, you don't have to have a seminary-level education to be used of God. You don't have to, to be a deacon of the church or a pastor of the church to be used of God. You can be just a, an average church member and be greatly used of Almighty God. And today I want to share with you how you can do that from this passage. Keep in mind that Paul's writing this, this first letter to Timothy. Timothy was his, his student in the faith, and there he 
Paul mentored him and discipled him and trained him about being a servant and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've looked at so far all the different issues, but keep in context, chapter 4, the first section was dedicated to the last days and some of the attributes and characteristics of the time period before Jesus Christ will come again. And note to self, Jesus is coming back no matter what anybody ever says. The word of God says he is and we can trust the word of God. Now, with all that in mind, I want to share with you three thoughts today. Thought number one comes from verse 6 in the first part of verse 7. A good servant of God is willing to do service. And then secondly, I want to share with you this from the last part of verse 7 down to verse number 9. A good servant of God disciplines himself for godliness. And then verses 10 and 11, I wrote down thirdly. A good servant of God is committed to to working with diligence. Will you come with me as we move down through this passage together? We'll look in, zoom in, verse number 6 in the first part of verse 7. Keep in mind, being a servant, being God's servant, is not about capability. It's about availability. You don't have to have a great orator ability or speaking before a great congregation. You don't have to be able to play, um, to tinkle, to, to, to do all the... the the, the skill level that some of the pianists here play or the guitar playing or the vocals. You don't have to have all that. You can just make yourself available and God will make you usable. First thought comes from verse 6 and the first part of verse 7. I said this, a good servant of God is willing to do service. A good servant of God is willing to do service. Did you know wanting to serve God and being willing to serve God are two different things? You see, somebody can in their mind say, you know, I would like to serve God and I know what I need to do. But until we make that step and begin serving God, we may not be willing. So my question for you today is before we dive into these couple verses here is, are you willing to serve God? I know many of you here want to serve God. In fact, if you, would li- if you want to serve God with the rest of your life, would you just raise your hand? Good, it should be everybody in here. That's great. Now, I'm not going to ask this now, but I want to ask you in your mind a rhetorical question that you're not going to show any, any way of answering except between you and God. Are you willing to serve God for the rest of your life? Now, I want to share this with you. Serving God does not mean you're going to pack up your bags and you're going to set sail all the way to Papua New Guinea and serve in an indigenous people group. It doesn't mean that you're going to pack your bags and go to a remote area in the Amazon and find a a group of people in the jungle who've never had God's word and translate the Bible into their language. That's not what I'm saying today. But now, when you commit the rest of your life to serving God, it may take you out there. But it might just take you down across the street or maybe getting involved here in the different ministries we have. Now, I want to share with you from this passage some of the areas that Paul was encouraging and expecting Timothy to serve in. And I believe that just as Paul's writing this letter to young Timothy, the Holy Spirit of God wrote this letter to you and me personally. So I wrote down this as I read the first part of verse verse 6. It says, If thou put the brethren, this is the brothers and sisters that are living in Ephesus because God sent 
Paul, I mean, God sent Timothy to Ephesus and it says, If thou put the brethren, these believers, the brothers and sisters who've trusted Christ as Savior in remembrance of these things. Now, what are these things? Remember, verses 1 through 5 of 1 Timothy chapter 4 is all about the last days. How there's going to come a time where people are going to give heed to seducing spirits. They're going to give heed to doctrines of devils. They're going to speak lies with hypocrisy. They're going to have their conscience seared with a hot iron. They're going to forbid to marry. They're going to command people to abstain from eating meat. And then the Bible says here, if you put in remembrance all these things to the brothers and sisters in Christ, you'll do well. But here's what I wrote down. Serve by warning others of doctrinal error. Serve by warning others of doctrinal error. That's what the ministry is about. It's about studying the Word of God. And perhaps, perhaps the reason why there's so much doctrinal error today is because the majority of Christians inside the church are so biblically illiterate, they can't recognize the phony from the real. So it's time, church, that we get serious about the study of God's Word. As Paul told Timothy in his second letter, study to show thyself approved unto God. I wonder if God analyzed your private devotional life or your study of God's word right now, would he be pleased today? You see, the only way we can spot counterfeit doctrine is by spending time studying the real thing. You know, it's interesting. The way bankers are trained, they, they do not take all the counterfeit bills and analyze them. They analyze the real bills on a regular basis. And when they see a phony, they can spot it off right away. And so the same goes for the Word of God. The more that we study the Word of God, the more we should easily recognize counterfeit Christianity and false doctrine. Now, there's a lot of false ideology, false uh, theology going around within Christendom today. You can just turn on the television and hear some, you can hear some great stuff on TV, but then you can hear some horrible stuff on TV. Just like you can go to YouTube and listen to some great preachers, and then you can go on YouTube and listen to not so great preachers who are spreading doctrinal error. And so today, when we come to this passage, we need to understand that when we're teaching children, when we're teaching young people, when we're teaching adults the Word of God, we are commanded by God to have sound doctrine and that's what this book is all about the theme of first timothy is sound doctrine and i'm glad to be a part of a church that takes the word of god seriously in its study and its proclamation i'm glad that we had a group of folks uh, several years ago who dived into the word of god and we wrote our own articles of faith and we live by them and we adopt them as the verse goes on it says if you put in these things in remembrance, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. It says, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. But then it says, whereunto thou hast attained. Then verse 7, I want to draw your attention to. Well, before we get to verse 7, I want to draw your attention to, to the second half about faith and about good doctrine, and about attaining these things. I wrote down this. Not only serve by warning others of doctrine, I already alluded to this, but I wrote down secondly, underneath the first thought. Serve by being a student of Scripture. Serve by being a student of Scripture. I'm not saying you need to go off to Bible college and major in theology. I'm not saying you need to go to seminary and get the esteemed Masters of Divinity degree. I'm not saying you need to go off and get a doctorate in some sort of theology. I'm not saying all that today. All I'm saying is this is that for the rest of your life as a child of God should be devoted and committed to taking the Word of God seriously and studying it. 
it's interesting how few people have read the Bible in America. The statistics say that one out of five Americans have ever read through the Bible. Now, I hope that that statistic is not lived out in this congregation. I hope that, that each of us today will take seriously God's word and read it and meditate in it and study it. But in verse number seven, I want to draw your attention and emphasize this. Not only serve by warning others about doctrinal error and by being a student of the scripture, but I wrote down this, serve by avoiding the influences of a false teacher. Look at verse number seven. It says, but refuse. Say refuse with me on three, one, two, three. Refuse. Refuse means to reject. And it says reject or refuse profane and old wise fables. Now, old wise fables, we all know what these things are. Stuff that people have adopted for many years, but they're just not true. You know, the old saying is like, if you crack your knuckles enough, then your knuckles are going to get larger and bigger the older you get. Well, it's just an old wise fable. We can list out a bunch of all these old wise fables that are just meaningless. And basically what this is giving the idea here is that it's mythological stories, mythological philosophy that is just not real and true. And so when we give heed to the word of God, we know that God's word is truth. That the word of God is truth and nothing but the truth. And so we give heed to God's word, not to the opinions or mythological ideas of man. But as I read this, it says refuse these profane and old wise fables. I just wrote down this, serve by avoiding the influences of a false teacher. Now I'm not going to call out any names. But you can go and you can search the World Wide Web for different people who are promoting God's Word. And you can easily tell, if you've spent time in the Word of God, that they are not being true to the text. You see, my job as a minister is not to bring my message to the passage. But my job as a minister is to get my message from the passage. And if you ever go to, part, to be a part of a church that, that the minister or the teachers in Sunday school or whoever is just bringing their own ideas to the, to the Word of God, then you can just set it aside. But whenever somebody goes to the Word of God and they pull out God's Word and they highlight it and they expound upon it, and what that means is that they just share what the Word is saying and what it means, hold on to that congregation and take it seriously. But avoid all those who are false teachers of the Word of God. The first thought I wanted to share with you today is a good servant of God is willing to do service. And those are some ways we can serve according to this passage. Now, there's a whole host of other ways we can serve, but that's what the passage is revealing today. And I want to share with you, secondly, a good servant of God disciplines himself for godliness. A good servant of God disciplines himself for godliness. That's the second thought today of how we can be a good servant of God. Remember, being God's servant is not about capability. It's about availability. If you make yourself available, God will make you usable. Look at the second part of verse number seven. It says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And we'll go ahead and read verse eight. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. As I read these couple of verses... I wrote down this thought that I already share with you. A good servant of God disciplines himself for godliness. When we think of an athlete, we know that they are in the gym all the time. 
In fact, actors, sometimes actors have like three months before they're showcasing in a movie. And so they'll go to the gym and they will work hard in the gym for three months straight and their bodies will be completely transformed. I'm not saying today that all of us need to become ripped athletes and shredded. I'm not saying that today. And I'm not saying that exercising is not profitable because that's not what the Bible is saying here. But what the Bible is emphasizing here is that it is far better to take care of your spiritual life than your physical body. And I wonder today, let's ask us all this question. Are we taking better care of our bodies or our spiritual life? Now, this word exercise, it literally means discipline. If you've ever tried to exercise or to train for an event or, or to run a marathon or a half marathon or a 5K, it takes discipline. It takes exercise. It takes persistence and consistency. And you can't just say, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to run a half marathon. If you can do that, you're, you're a better fit person than I am. Somebody like me, I need to train and prepare for it. But the emphasis here in this passage, in fact, verse number 7 says, Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Instead of giving heed to the profane and old wise fables, it says, Exercise, discipline yourself after godliness. And here's what I wrote down. I wrote on this. Discipline yourself to live a lifestyle of godliness. Just as an athlete goes out and they work hard and they get their body in shape to play basketball or to play baseball or to play football or whatever sport they're playing, just as an actor goes out and gets ready to be on TV or on the movie screen, we are called as believers to exercise our spiritual life every single day. So discipline yourself to live a lifestyle of godliness. Here's the question we need to ask ourselves every single week, or that I like to ask myself every single week. Brian, is there anything in your life that is not pleasing to God? And if there is, God, will you please give me the strength to set it outside of my life? That's a way we can have a lifestyle of godliness. Unfortunately, our society cares more about living a lifestyle that displeases God instead of pleasing God. And here this passage says, if you want to be a servant of God, and not just a servant, if you want to be a good servant of God, live a lifestyle of godliness. A lifestyle that is well-pleasing in the sight of Almighty God. But notice the Bible goes on to say in verse number 8, it says, for bodily exercise profiteth little. I wrote down this thought as well. Physical exercise profits little. But spiritual exercise profits much. You see, oftentimes we come to verse 7 and 8 of 1 Timothy chapter 4 and we'll give the excuse to say, hey, there's no need for me to take care of my physical body. I can eat donuts for breakfast. I can eat uh, donuts for lunch. And bless God, I'm going to eat donuts for dinner and snacks in between. That's not necessarily what the Bible's saying here. It's just saying that physical exercise, just in the grand scheme of eternity, it's not as profitable as exercising your spiritual life. Now, I myself, I like to go to the gym at least three days a week. I like to go get a bicycle ride in or a run in at least a couple times a week. I try to do those things. And I'm not saying here today that you need to ride your bicycle across America. I'm not saying here today that you need to ride your bicycle across Virginia. I'm not saying any of those things. But I am saying today this, is that God has given us a body. And I like what Brother Richard tells me all the time. He says, Brian, if you take care of your body when it's, when it's young, it'll take care of you when it's old. 
And that is great advice. So thank you, Brother Richard. So today, we need to understand this, that physical exercise profits little, but spiritual exercise profits much. Verse 8 goes on to say, But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. I wrote in this, When we exercise spiritually, we are preparing for eternity. When we exercise spiritually, we are preparing for eternity. You see, if I go out to the gym and let's say I set a goal that I want to bench press a certain amount of, amount of weight. That's a great goal to have. But a better goal to have is to say, hey, each day I'm going to exercise my spiritual life. I'm going to put my mind and my body in subjection to the Word of God. And I'm going to get into God's Word every single day and say, God, if there's anything in my life, give me the strength to get rid of it if it does not please you then we're preparing for eternity. Because there's going to come a day when as a servant of God, we are going to stand before Almighty God and give an account for how we conducted our lives as children of God. A good servant of God disciplines himself for godliness. How well is your spiritual life being disciplined? A good servant of God is willing to do service. Are you willing to serve God? I want to share with you thirdly and finally from verse 10 and verse 11. A good servant of God is committed to working with diligence. Not only discipline yourself for godliness, not only being willing to do God's service, but here's the third and final thought today. A good servant of God is committed to working with diligence. There's one thing that our society has become. Our society has become lazy. Our society needs a good old dose of old-fashioned hard work. And every occupation has hard work. Some occupation is physically hard. Some is mentally hard. I, I would suppose that, that for the most part, uh, the jobs that I have around the church here is not necessarily physically uh, toiling, but, but it is mentally laboring. And it, can, and it can wear you down. Mental and physical labor, both of them can wear you down. But our society has come to the point where we just, we have decided that we're just going to do as little as we can in our world. And I submit to you that that idea has transitioned into the church. And so the, the philosophy now of the modern church member and the modern Christian is this. I'm going to do as little as I possibly can to please God. I'm going to clock in my one hour a week or my one hour a month, and I'm going to do as little as I can to do God's service. But I submit to you today that if God ever gets a hold of your life and He saved you, then we should do everything in our power to serve God as much and as often as we possibly can. Commit ourselves to working with diligence. Look at verse number 10. I know that the issue is here today. In our world today, people care more about what's on Netflix and more about what's on TV, more about who's playing what in the NFL, more about who's doing what in the MLB and all the other sports instead of what's going on in the church house and in the, within the Word of God. And here the Bible says in verse number 10, verse A, it says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. So here's the thing. Here's what our world says. It says, if I serve God and I get really serious, people are going to say, well, you're just one of those fanatical Bible thumpers. That's okay. Call me whatever you want to. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> I wrote on this. Be diligent when you experience suffering for God. 
Paul and Timothy both labored. They toiled night and day tirelessly serving God. But in the midst of their service to God, the Bible says they suffered reproach. This means they went through trials. Now, you know what the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament. There was times where they stoned him and left him for dead. There was times he was left shipwrecked. There was times he was in prison. There was times he was beaten. There was times he was bruised. There was times where he was, there was a time where he was martyred. Paul suffered. And our little suffering in America does not compare to what Paul and Timothy went through. But we will suffer for the name of Christ. The verse goes on and tells us why they suffered. It says, because they trusted in the living God. There may come a time in your workplace, there may come a time in your family, there may come a time in your group of friends that where you trust God for your finances, you trust God for provision, you trust God in every area of your life, people may scoff at you and may ridicule you, and that's fine. Let them do it. Because trusting God is far more valuable than trusting men. So I wrote down this. Not only be diligent when you experience suffering for God, but I wrote down this. Be diligent in trusting God. Yeah. Let's continue working hard for God when people make fun of us, when they mock us, and when we suffer persecution and reproach. But let's also be diligent as we're laboring, as we're toiling, as we're working for God. Let's be diligent in trusting God for everything in our life. Hey, you know what Jesus said? He said, if you put God first, then I will provide all your needs. Hey, we don't have to worry about the clothes on our back if we're putting God first. We don't have to worry about our bills being paid. We don't have to worry about all that stuff in our life if we put God first. But if God is not first in church... You have everything to worry about in your life. And then verse number 11 says, These things command and teach. So I wrote down this. Be diligent in teaching others about God. Be diligent in teaching others about God. Now as a minister, I understand that, that, that my job is to teach others about Christ. I, I understand that. And in a sense, I receive and income for studying God's word and for ministering to folks. I understand that. But I want you to know this, is that whether you paid me or not, I would still be doing this because this is God's calling in my life. And God has called all of us to teach somebody. You see, the Bible says, it, it does not say for all the pastors to go into the world and to make disciples. The Bible doesn't say for all the deacons to go into the world and make disciples. The Bible says to go into all the world, to preach the gospel to every creature and to make disciples of men. That's all of us. And so I wonder, is there somebody in your life right now that you are teaching and discipling for Christ? In Matthew chapter 25, we find the Lord Jesus Christ delivers a parable. And a parable is simply a an earthly story revealing a, a heavenly truth. And in Matthew chapter 25, we find the parable of the talents. We find that there's three men there who, who is serving one man. And he gives each of these servants, he gives one of them one talent, he gives one of them two talents, and he gives one of them five talents, according as their ability. And sometimes, some people can accomplish more with what they're given 
than others, and there's nothing wrong with that. The one who received the one talent went and dug a hole and put it in the ground. The one that received two talents went and doubled it, and the one that received five talents went and doubled it. And so the ones who doubled it came before their master of the parable says, and he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And the one who took the one talent and threw it in the ground, brought it, and had the excuses. And said, I know that you're a hard man to please sometimes, and so I just took it and I hid it in the ground. And the reply was this. He said, thou wicked and slothful servant. As I read this passage, I'm reminded that God has given us one life. And we have a choice to make. We can either choose to serve God or we can choose to serve ourselves. And those who bow their knee and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe by faith that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and we've received forgiveness through what he's done, those of us who do that and we spend the rest of our life giving service to God, we will stand before God and he will say, well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. But those who reject the message of salvation and those who decide I'm not going to serve God with my life will say, depart from me. I never knew you into everlasting fire. And the Bible says in verse 25 that that place of everlasting fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. There's not one person who's ever walked this earth who is meant and designed to ever go to hell. At some point, God created hell and the lake of fire for the fallen angels. But because he's a holy, righteous, just God, he cannot allow sin into heaven. And the only way we can get to heaven is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I wonder, what kind of servant are you today? Are you going to be like the one who took his talent and threw it in the ground? Or are you going to be like the other two? Who chose to serve. A good servant of God is committed to working with diligence, disciplines himself for godliness, and is willing to do God's service. If you make yourself available, God will make you usable. Being God's servant is not about capability. It's about availability. Will you choose this day to serve God for the rest of your life? Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week. <laughs>